So uh, game of Game of Thrones and Kingdom. So if any, if anyone can fit into this in this narrative, he, it's, it's, it's immense. It's it's um, it is um, King David. I mean, he's uh, and he's asked me to share the whole thing, his whole narrative in like 20 minutes, which is impossible. But I want to I want to give it a go. Um, and yeah, he he sits in perfectly. I mean, in terms of um, who he was, in terms of who a lot of people think he was, is interesting, and a lot, and it kind of relates to who people think Christians should be. Like when people say, "This is what a Christian looks like," oh, I'd love to be a Christian, but like that "but" is such an interesting word because I don't think they they've they've read the Bible. I went into I, I took an Uber somewhere the other day. And thank God for Uber. Um, oh, something <laughs> sponsored north. And and I and and I got into the Uber, and the guy in the front said, "Ah, oh, your your name is David. You know where David comes from?" And um, he, he, from his vantage point, David was. Um, I said, "Yeah, King David. Actually, I do. I like. I started chatting to him. King David was a was a was, was a king in the Bible. So he was more than a king. He was a prophet. And he came on, and he was saying, "Oh, yeah. Like you guys see him as a as a as a king. We see him as so much more." And and it's interesting that that when people kind of stereotype um, Christianity or stereotype these Jesus followers, they, they they're missing out parts. They're missing out the dirty bit. And the reality is, is that life with with God is is a dirty love. Maybe not so much on God's side, but certainly on our side. And you know, I I I don't know much about your stories, but I know my story, and I know that I'm not the most perfect person. And and you can see that in the narrative of David. And I I think it's it's almost um, credit to the credibility of the Bible. Actually, in apologetics, it's called uh, the criteria of embarrassment. There's some embarrassing situations that you know. Down the line, if the Bible was made up, they could have rubbed out some bits. Like, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're going to go through those uh, in a bit, but like, uh, they could have easily rubbed out those bits, but they didn't. And yet, we've got this person who impresses all in all the the major uh, uh, religions from the the, the Middle East and um, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. This person, David, comes up as a prophet, as someone who's who, who's special. Um, where does his story start? His story starts in, um, um, actually before uh, David's time is, uh, the, his predecessor, Saul, was rejected as, uh, as king. And he basically didn't follow some orders. We could go into like a discussion about evil with the orders that he, he didn't follow, but that's not today's task, I guess. So we're gonna leave that for, for Andy, the problem of evil and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't follow some tasks. God basically said, you're, you're not king anymore. You're not the one that I'm, I'm gonna keep on the throne. You're not my, my man. And, um, and, uh, and then the prophet who God um, sent, Prophet Samuel, um, uh, was, was moping about it. He was the one who installed him as king. God's direction and all that, but but Samuel, um, and God went to Samuel and basically said this, and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read, read it out. 1 Samuel 16, verse one. The Lord said to Samuel, this prophet, this person who hears from God directly, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn up with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So Samuel is mourning, he's rejected, he's dejected and like, and God says, look, get up, stop mourning. I've chosen another to be king, let's go. And he goes to, to David's house in, 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 in 1 Samuel 16 and chooses David to be king. 
And it's interesting that Samuel does what God says. He goes to uh, Jesse, who's David's dad, and he gets him to, to have a lineup. Like the, and, and his brothers are, are before him. David is, is missing. And it's interesting, that, that intrigued me first. Why is David missing from this? Doing some, some more research on this, the first thing you find out is that there is a Jewish tradition, David's mother doesn't get mentioned, so there's a Jewish tradition that, um, that David is, is born out of wedlock. So it's not, not even it's born out of adultery. So his mother isn't, he, his mother is not the same as his brother's mother's. Hence, he gets shunned by the family. Well, his brothers especially. Isn't it interesting? David's a snow. Like, literally, David's a, a, a bastard. David's, David's a, a, a reject. He's out in the corner. Yet God sees him. God sees something more than, than what other people see. God sees this snow. He's going to become king. Oh, sorry. Uh, he's going to become king. And, um, and it's amazing that, that this whole process goes on. We're going to skip it a bit because time just goes too fast. And, and, um, and but one of these, uh, another amazing passage in the Bible. God says to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, talking about his brothers. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I'll just repeat that again. God does not look at the things people look at. People look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And it's interesting that I think almost Christianity religion that relationship with Jesus the relationship with God has stayed away from that where people have gone back to looking on the outside this is what a Christian should look like this is what Christians look like it's amazing that people who aren't Christians tell me what Christians should look like anyway but uh, but but it's amazing that that isn't the way God sees things. God sees things much deeper and it's it's not just a good bad no, you know naughty step good boy kind of um, Situation is so much more than that. It's so much deeper than that. God looks at stuff that's that's deeper. So, so Samuel comes, does this. A few um, years later, um, Saul, the, the, the David's predecessor, is um, is haunted by by evil. By the way, can I just stop here? Like, I think uh, as church and as people, sometimes we've we've lost our mysticism. We've 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 become like static. We've locked, and you see this in the in the story of David. We see evil spirits coming in, doing this stuff to Saul. We we see um, prophets like speaking about things that are happening in the future. And I think sometimes we've become so stale. We've, we've stopped to dare to, to ask God for the impossible. Oh God, give me. Let, I want to see miracles. I believe, I believe in a God of miracles. I believe in a God who steps into our life. I give. I believe in a God who chooses. Um, snows and you know and 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 raises them up to be kings um, that's the kind of God I believe in and sometimes we've lost for that in our our walk with God God is the God of the the impossible God is the God of of of, of the breakthrough and sometimes we've, we've said it so often that that loses its meaning but Saul is haunted by a devil or evil or evil spirit and um, and he gets David called and called in to play the harp he's a musician there's a lot of similarity between me and, and David. I, I call myself a musician. I'm not. I'm not sure. But like, uh, he, he played the harp. I play a bit of the guitar, a bit of the keys, and all that. And um, Bible says that David was rugged and handsome. 
And so David plays a heart for, for King Saul. Um, he, he, he's obviously doing that as a part-time job. He's doing that, but also tending, he's still tending his father's um, sheep. Um, uh, and a moment comes where his father instructs David to go and um, give some bread and cheese um, to, um, to, to, for his brothers and for the, the king's commanders out there. David goes. He, he's go there, he goes there with the intention of, of serving his, his brothers, his fathers. Maybe their relationship has, has improved since the time the prophet came down. I don't know. But this is what, what happens. David goes and, and serves. In the midst of, of him serving, in the midst of him doing something that's menial, in the midst of him giving out cheese, giving out tracks, setting up tables, doing something small, um, he encounters what's going on in battle. He sees this huge guy, this giant, this um, um, <laughs> this wildly giant. I don't know. But uh, he, he goes and sees sees this guy um, confronting the people of God. His the, the giant's name was Goliath, and uh, and David at this point uh, there, there's something that rises within him that says that this guy can't. Why is what's what's he doing? Like God is bigger than this giant. This giant's big, but something's something's wrong here. Um, there's a couple of things that are kind of wrong with this with this story, or, or something that could have been. Firstly, why did Israel even submit to that um, option? Like, so so why is that option even an option? I don't know if anyone's thought about that. Why didn't they just say, okay? Uh, yeah, Philistines said, okay, we've got a deal for you. We want one and one. We've got this big giant. We want you to serve one. Why didn't Israel just say, no, let's just fight? As you know, as, as there's something going on there. Um, but yeah, David steps into the scene. He's there to deliver cheese and bread, but he offers to fight Goliath. And we all know the story, I'm sure. Like, it's a story that's known. It's a phrase that's known when the giant killers come back again. And this, and David's story is all about him rising, falling, rising, falling. It's like Arsenal. This it, we're gonna we're gonna rise. We're gonna rise. This that we've been purchasing and all this. Anyway, um, uh, the and and it's amazing. In Zechariah, one of the prophets in the Bible, it says, "Do not despise." these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work that's begun don't despise the small thing David goes does his sling thing bang giants on the floor he suddenly he finds himself in a realm that he didn't even imagine to be in he was there to deliver cheese and bread and he finds himself killing Goliath basically he becomes part of a story that becomes part of his springboard to what's to come Saul becomes jealous of, of David to the extent that people are rhyming about him. They, they say to Saul, Saul has slayed his um, 10,000. Saul says, that's amazing, look at me. But then the next verse is, David has slain his 10,000. Saul's his thousands, David has done 10,000. And Saul becomes um, jealous and in, in this situation. Just know, in life, you're going to have fans, but you're going to have haters. It's the way you deal with each situation like you're gonna like as you as your prominence increases as a church as your prominence increases you're gonna have fans you're gonna have haters like learn how to deal with it like Saul had already been rejected at that point he obviously didn't know how to deal with certain issues David enters into his first marriage to a person that's um, spelt 
Michal, but I think it's pronounced Michael, but it's, I think it's a, a lady that David marries, uh, Saul's daughter. Um, pause here, because this is a difficult topic, I guess. David um, eventually has um, around eight wives. It's not really sure. The Bible mentions about eight wives. One of his, uh, his slip-ups. To be fair on David, um, some of them, their marriages are political. Um, and compared to his son Solomon, I mean, he's faithful. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, this guy, he's like, he's, he's, he's on it. Uh, and and uh, so, yeah, but it is, it's a difficult situation. And but it's, it's definitely mentioned in the Bible. And, and David has this, this amount of, 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 of marriages that, uh, that occur. Um, does God um, condone these things? I don't think so. Uh, but I, I, I think he, he, the Bible doesn't shy away from telling the truth I think there's something that's deeper and the reality is is that there's things in our lives that we're not necessarily proud of that God doesn't condone but God doesn't reject us and that's deep for this guy David because he, he he's literally I mean he's looked on so big in the Bible and by, by, by various other people that you know people literally bypass his son so I've got a son called Benjamin and people, it's almost like people, when Benjamin has a son, they, they ignore Benjamin and said, the son of David's gonna rule. Do, do you know what I'm saying? But yeah, he had all these issues. There was something deeper going on. There's something real and there's something about relationship, I think, with, with God that, was, that, that grabs a hold of God's heart and, and, and deals with real issues at the same time. Um, David's had a friendship with his, with, um, with uh, Saul's son, uh, Jonathan, um, that saves him out of a, 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 few, a few issues and basically becomes a scenario where there, there are instances where it's David and Jonathan against Paul's wishes, uh, Saul's wishes, sorry. Um, David marries again. David eventually becomes the, the king of Judah. Go, David goes through a phase where he's, he's on the run. He's this guy who'd been promised the king, the, the, the kingdom's going to be yours. You're going to rule. Finds himself on the run. Sometimes our promises don't lead in ways that we don't expect. And actually, you can see this in the life of David as we go later on. David becomes the king of Judah. He becomes the king of Israel. The game of throne. He, he wins the iron throne. He, he sits on it. He becomes the king. And he eventually captures uh, Jerusalem. Um, he captures back... Um, the, the symbol of God's presence that was lost by his predecessor, this, this Ark of the Covenant, this, this, uh, this symbol of, of God in, 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 human, <laughs> in human flesh. Actually, David would soon be known a few thousand years later as the person who also was to, out his offspring, would bring out the God of human flesh. Jesus, interesting. The, the parallels are so cool. Um, anyway, he brings his sacred and uh, the presence of God back to Jerusalem, and he has a vision. He wants to build the temple of God. Two Samuel seven. We've gone through the whole of First Samuel now. Two Samuel verse seven. He wants. He's got this vision. Like I want to build a house. Everything's stable now. I want to build a house of God. I want to build this temple. He goes to God initially. The prophet says, "Yeah, go for it. Sounds like a good idea." God 
comes back to the prophet and says, no, you're not the one to build this house. David initially seems to take it quite well, really well, in fact. He, he, he goes on and he prepares, he's, he's prepared to, to prepare the, 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 the stuff that is needed for the building for the next generation, for his son. He doesn't know who's going to be king yet, but he's, he's willing to prepare. Interestingly enough, soon after this, he's meant to be in battle. And he chooses, for whatever reason, not to stay in battle. And I don't think this is because of age. The Bible specifically mentions that at the time that kings normally go to war, David doesn't go to war, for whatever reason. And he is outside in the balcony, he must have been different back then, outside in the balcony, sees a woman bathing. Bathsheba falls for her. I don't think he falls in love with her at this point in time. Definitely falls for her beauty and is attracted to her and, and eventually gets with her, gets her pregnant. Whole series of events. Those of you who know the scriptures, this is, this, this is, a, this is, this is an episode on, in a, on, of his soul. Do you know what I mean? This is, a, 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 and Bathsheba becomes pregnant. David tries to um, cover over what he's done by, by bringing Bathsheba's actual husband back and from, from war. Bathsheba's husband is a, is, is a military man. Brings him back to war, say, look, go on, uh, I, need to, I need to chat to you about some stuff. Go and sleep with your wife and come back and we'll chat in the morning. Husband is so um, on it with, um, uh, with doing the right things that he doesn't want to sleep with his husband while the rest of the guys are out there fighting. Um, so he, he, he basically doesn't. David arranges for this guy to be killed. Low point in David's life. Um, the, the child from Bathsheba, uh, David marries Bathsheba after she mourns. The child that is born of Bathsheba eventually passes away. But, and, but at the same time, the other child born of Bathsheba, Solomon, would be king. In a moment, you see consequences and redemption happening at the same time. I love that about scriptures. Um, I don't think it. I don't think scriptures die die down on on consequences, but they certainly don't let consequences overshadow the power of redemption. I think in our lives. The reality is there are consequences to some of your experiences. I know I have so many times. There are consequences to what we do, what we say. But also, the, 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 the beauty is, is that this story of Jesus, this story of, of redemption, is that there are consequences of redemption. Coming to, to have that life of Jesus. Yeah, sometimes we need to deal with what we need to deal with. But the beauty is, is that suddenly our story is rewritten. And this can we can go throughout various people in scriptures and find out actually our narrative can change if we give it all to Jesus um, before the end of, of, of his life his, his, another son of his also rebels against David there's, there's incest within this, this, this massive family um, David um, is on the run again, but not against um, someone who's outside his blood, but against his uh, running from his own son. Um, and eventually, David's, uh, David gives over the kingdom to, to Solomon. And even that is a bit of a juggling match because there's someone else who wants to, to take over. And David's life 
um, finishes. And um, one thing, if I could, just just finishing now, uh, one thing that if I was to, to, to have a point that I thought that God wanted to relay today, um, it's it's from this this um, Proverbs 24 verse 16. It says this: For the righteous fall seven times; they rise they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. And it's interesting that, going back to what I was saying before, um, it seems that our notion of righteousness and our notion of what God wants isn't the same as what God wants. It seems that, that past all this, David is known at the beginning of being someone who's after God's own heart, but also as a person that God always and references back to. This is a person whom I love. This is a person. If you're going to be like a king, be like David. But he had all his faults. He was really, he was human. And there's something there that I think sometimes we reject as Christians, as people, or followers of God, that sometimes we're, we're, we're so hard on ourselves and don't want to downplay sin and I don't want to downplay consequences. But the reality of it, of it is, is that God doesn't give up on us. And I love this verse in the Proverbs because it's, it's, it's almost a picture of David's life. That, that though, that this righteous person, this person who was righteous, he, he did fall. But the difference between being a person who's after God's own heart and a person who's, who's not, isn't that they fall, is that they brush off their knees, they get up again. They're able to, to come back to, to loving God. And yes, you need people around you who are real, who can tell you, mate, that's the wrong decision. That's a stupid decision. But you, you need people around you who, who will be there, pass that decision as you get up again. And I don't know where people are at today. And like I said, like, I, know, I don't know anyone else's life, but like, I, know, I know the stupidness that I've done and caused and been through. And, um, and yeah, there are consequences that we, that we sometimes have to face, but let's learn to be people who just brush dust off our knees and get up again, because that seemed to define David's life. But yes, he made decisions that were, were wrong and, and even evil, if I can say that, but there was something about him that drew him back to God. And let that be what defines us as Christians, people who are searching after this, this, this God person, this Jesus, this, this the one who we love, who can make a difference in this world. Like that, let that be what defines us as people. It's all right, just, uh, just uh, I know it's slightly over, and he's gonna tell me off after this, he can, like, he's got the message. Um, uh, I'd love to just sing that song again a thousand times and, and we've failed, and then maybe our parts about to catch, maybe pray or whatever. Um, and you know, if, if, if you're in a situation, a position where you feel like you're a failure, don't be a person who, who says, you know, if, if Andy or whoever or Kat or, or Jody asks you to do something, don't be that kind of person that says, when I'm ready, because you're never going to be ready. Like, you're never ready. Like, you're not, you're not ready now. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not ready. But let's be a people who are willing to step out there with our hurt, with our, with our insecurities, with our, with, with our silliness, with our, with our evil intentions, and let's just step out there for God, because God, God can use David. I'm pretty confident that God can use us. GOT starts tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>